broadcasting live from the Pavilion. <laughs> so welcome everyone. This is Style and Taste, and this is an experiential podcast where we actually choose to broadcast live from places and spaces that really embody relaxation and um, exceptional hospitality. So likewise, we're always looking to discover people who are transforming the business and are uniquely positioned to be innovative leaders. So today I'm joined with my beautiful, beautiful dapper, right? <laughs> Co-host, Eve LeSueur. By the way, it's okay to call men beautiful too, just FYI. I know Eve, I'm making him blush. But we are joined today by our wonderful host, actually, guest, Sebastian Silvestri. He is the CEO of the Dynex Group. So for those of you that are not familiar with the Dynex Group, this is actually Chef Daniel Ballou's hospitality group. So with that, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We are so excited. I have to say, I've been to this restaurant a few times, and every time I still feel the same thing, which is this just overwhelming sense of, when you you walk in a place like this and by the way there'll be a tour at the very end and there are plants and trees they're all live when we walked in this morning there were lights everywhere and we were wondering why it's because they have to be taken care of so <laughs> i think Definitely. it's just a fabulous environment thank you so tell us i mean tell us what inspired this i mean i've read the articles obviously it's truly an oasis you chose <laughs> you chose 42nd street midtown yeah. which is definitely not necessarily the oasis in yeah. the city but um for those that have i know many people have this location on their uh, hit list their yeah. bucket list tell us about the inspiration tell us well look uh, we uh, had a partnership here with uh, with estelle brain the developer mm -hmm. and um when we had the space here, I think Danielle and Esa Green, we were thinking about what can we do? And the idea was to bring nature and architecture together mm. and bring that oasis in, in Midtown. You know, it's like uh, all those big buildings and so much concrete around. So we wanted to bring nature inside. And then we partnered with Ize Wenfield, the design firm from Brazil. Uh -huh. And then uh, they designed this beautiful Russian for us. And then as you see, we have our very own garden and trees and plants inside of our restaurants that really uh, give a uh, look and feel that it's just incredible. There's uh, no fruit, obviously, right? <laughs> because people it. might <laughs> pick it and be eating it in the restaurant. Um, you know what, what really strikes me about this restaurant, and I have definitely visited plenty of Daniel Blue's uh, different restaurants. There is a, um, there's kind of a refined elegance, but it's still casual. Yes. And this is a Michelin star restaurant. So yes. I think what strikes me is that in the fashion industry, we mm -hmm. talk about um, quiet luxury. That is the new concept, yes, right? Yes. This understated but quality. And I'm beginning to feel and see that there is a trend in the dining world. And I'm curious, is it a new trend? Is casual luxury, not quiet luxury, but is casual luxury the new dining trend? Well, that's a, a great question. So let me tell you a little bit about the group. We. Uh, celebrated a big milestone last, last week. Danielle, restaurant Danielle, our flagship restaurant, celebrating its 30 years mm -hmm. anniversary. That's quite something. And when you look at uh, the world of fine dining uh, or the restaurant industry, 30 years is not a lot of restaurants that make it for that long. And being so relevant 30 years after, it's even more incredible. So for sure, when we look at our group, and we have many more than just one restaurant, and I'll touch on that later, but we are not, definitely not, uh, what can I do? A trend, uh, trendy type of restaurant group. Actually, if you look at the longevity of the brands, 
Um, it's been about consistency, delivering an incredible hospitality, delicious cuisine, great service. Um, and I think, uh, I think that's been the key of Daniel's success over the years. What Daniel has done over the years is evolve and develop new brands. Uh, and if you look at this restaurant, the Pavillon, we were touching about it. The idea was we've seen people also um, eating differently. Um, they're looking for different type of experiences, etc. And we didn't want either the Pavillon to compete with Daniel. We wanted to complement the offering that we have. And if you look at the whole group, we have a lot of different brands that complement each other. And at, at every price point too, uh, you can go to Daniel and have an incredible um, tasting menu mm -hmm. experience with wine pairing uh, above and beyond uh, delicious and greatness. And then you can go to the P3 Blue and talk about casual experience or, or approachable luxury or uh, or, or quite luxury, you can go there and have the most delicious croissant um, or the most delicious uh, salad or sandwich or quiche or whatever it is at a very, very affordable uh, price. Um, and so, you know, we definitely not, uh, you know, I used to work in lifestyle before and then mm. I had some experience. I was in Las Vegas for a very long time, but I think Danielle, the key to his success has been the hospitality, uh, caring for the guests, the passion that we have, the passion that we have in the kitchen, the passion that we have, taking care of the guests. You'll see Danielle, or you'll see the whole team every day going table to table, making sure that we're going above and beyond in delivering this experience. And I think that's been kind of the motto uh, of the group. Um, I think that, well, since you brought it up, we're talking about all these ventures, yep. all these initiatives, not just here in New York, but yep. abroad, of in course. LA, and all yep. of that. Is there a thought in there that how do we continue to convey the kind of quality that Daniel Boulud is known for without yep. diluting that? Because, as of you course. said, Chef Boulud cannot be in 50 places at a time. Yeah. How do you do that? I mean, we are, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, it feels we're like it. We're, we're cloning Daniel no, no, no. somewhere. In, in, in New York City, we, every night we go around all our restaurants and touch, you know, try to touch everyone. Um, how do we do it? How, do, how are we in Singapore successfully? How are we in the Bahamas? How are we in Montreal? How are we in Toronto? It comes down to your team. It comes down to the people. Uh, because obviously, the, uh, when you expand internationally, you really need really solid teams that represent you very, very well. And really the process that we have in place is when we appoint a chef or a general manager uh, in one of our restaurants overseas, we like to appoint someone that has been working with us for a long time. Someone that knows our kitchen, someone that knows Danielle's recipe, someone that has the culture, has the Dianex culture, and someone that can execute uh, flawlessly overseas. And then we have a great, you know, it, we, we're a small group, but we have a bit of infrastructure, and then we have people that travel consistently. We travel and touch on those restaurants um, as often as... Uh, you're as, always uh, going. As we, yeah, we, we it travel. It feels like you're always if, going. If you look at um, uh, our schedule, we, uh, you know, I was just in the Bahamas, and I was just in Palm Beach. Uh, we're planning, uh, you know, we're consistently uh, uh, traveling and touching with the team and working on the on the next menu, you know, we do seasonal menu, uh, menu change very frequently throughout the year. So we work with the team um, uh, locally, uh, always try to source locally, and then um, and then make sure we execute at a high level. You, um, you touched on something that uh, I just read an Esquire article that was shared with me by one of my team members, and it was really um, enlightening 
to read how different and challenging it is to work in the kitchen because um, I don't think the readers actually are viewers, sorry, no, but um, things are literally prepared on order versus many kitchens where there is prep. Um, and I think that that is tremendous given the volume and the quality and just the beauty of everything that is created. So, I mean, honestly, I think there's a really interesting statement about there's probably not a chef in the world that hasn't some way somehow been touched by Chef Daniel Blue. Mm -hmm. So for, for someone who's running, you know, this, you are the CEO of a huge hospitality group and I, and I still kind of come back to, is there a new type of clientele that you're seeing? And are you also designing this kind of casual luxury to speak to the new clientele? You know, obviously age is changing, demographics yes. are changing. During the pandemic, things have changed. I, I feel like I see a shift I feel I, across all of the different great chefs. I yeah. see um, there is a trend and I'm not quite sure what we call it. So please do tell me. I know there's a strategy. <laughs> there's a change in the demo. There's I mean, a strategy. I've been sitting here at Primetime Dinner on Saturday and I noticed young couples. Mm -hmm. And so yes. I think what the people that we saw that luxury was really dedicated for. Uh, Yes. But I think it, I think there is an appetite um, for uh, good hospitality, uh, and and uh, and New York City, uh, the capital of the world, people love going for a wonderful dining experience, and uh, and I think what Daniel has done over the last thirty years is when you go and visit any of our restaurants, you know you're going to get great food and great service mm -hmm. and great hospitality, depending the level that you go. Uh, for sure, we love having uh, new diners come to our restaurants. Uh, this restaurant has been uh, fantastic. We are on the second, we've celebrated second year anniversary last last uh, last week, and uh, you know we we earned our first Michelin star after the first year, so that was uh, very exciting. But you will come for lunch. There's no tablecloth, so it's uh, uh, less formal. Yes. Um, the food is uh, seafood and vegetable focused, so we see people eating more fish and more vegetable and trying to eat more healthy, so when mm -hmm. they have something, mm -hmm. and a place where people could come two, three times a week and not being bored by uh, and have things to eat uh, every day, but that are good for you. Um, a restaurant like Danielle is more an experience-driven restaurant. People will go for special occasion or it's a birthday, it's an anniversary, it's a very it's a special occasion. You know, Sebastian, I'm going to challenge that. What I think that, um, which excites me, yeah. is that oftentimes that has traditionally been the case, and perhaps it's because we're spoiled, because we're New York City. Um, for us, this is like, at least within my group of peers, we, do, we see this as the choice place. We don't think about it as special occasion. For me, yeah. it's like there are so many places in New York City that we can go. Yeah. Um, and the design of this specifically speaks to me. This is the place where when I want to relax, it doesn't need to be a special occasion. Yes. Every time I walk into this restaurant, I feel very much like you have just taken the stress of the day away. So that's special, but that should be something that happens every day. So I love, and I know you're gonna show us the bar area, yeah. but I think the design of this space has really capitalized on what we need, which is that phrase of an oasis in the city, you've nailed it. And perhaps that is potentially the expansion across attracting the new type of client or the customer. Um, and even to, I, I think about 
the way people dress. And we were discussing that while we were waiting for you yeah. this morning. You're watching, and I'm, I've lived in the city for such a long time. And there's this casual style mm -hmm. that's permeating. I mean, I miss the formality to yeah. a degree, but do you envision more of these types of restaurants? And can you share it? And can you really share the secrets of will there be more of this style, or is it going to be much more casual? Okay. Um, let me share with you. We just opened a new restaurant uh, on Monday, and we opened at the landmark, Tiffany the landmark. Okay. We opened Blue Box Cafe. You know, the, and that's been an institution also for many years. It's another iconic New York moment. You go there, you have breakfast at Tiffany. We open on Monday. The restaurant is really small. It's beautiful, designed by Peter Marino, really beautiful design. And I think we have over 10,000 people on the wait list on the first week. Wow. And then we're able to accommodate only maybe 60 guests at the time in the restaurant. So the, and, uh, but if you look at it, um, it's not a, a formal dining multiple experience. You'll get a breakfast at Tiffany, or you get afternoon tea, or you can get a delicious lunch. Um, and, um, and, but, but we've seen people really dressing up for that. It's just so funny on day one, we have people mm. really into it. Um, and then you also will see people that will come and dress more casually um, for the experience. Yeah, I think we've seen, I think we've, we see it everywhere. I think um, uh, people do like to dress up, but at the same time, you also have a lot of people that will come out, dine more casually. Yeah. They'll still wear beautiful clothes or designer clothes and all of that, but they will wear sneakers. We see more and more people wearing sneakers. Just going back to and what then, we talked uh, about, about yeah. quiet luxury. 100%. Right. Fashion, right. it's a big trend. 100%. I mean, you can wear Brunello to Chinelli. Yes. There's no marks anywhere, but you know that you look at the jacket. Mm. Right. And by the way, we are not endorsing Brunello Cuccinelli, just for the record. again, if Bruno wants to come out and talk to us, uh, no, but I think that we've seen this a little bit. I yeah. think that you know people are getting away from brands and really kind of focusing on the experience. So I think that a restaurant like this one, yeah. and even to a certain extent, if you go to Daniel, you know, you may have you may have a special occasion in mind, especially if you're not in New York. Yes. You know, people from outside of town going to Daniel is a big thing. It's a destination for sure. People that when they travel to New York, this. It's a, you know, it's an iconic restaurant that people want to visit. It's Ex experiences and experiential. So that's that's really my core background, creating experiential. And so what I've been trying to translate in the industry of retail and shopping is that the partnerships with establishments that are hospitality driven first. So I agree with you. If you're asking someone to travel one block, one avenue, to get on a plane, that the first thing they're looking for is not that you're asking them to shop for something, you're asking them to experience and to relax and enjoy the hospitality. So I also am very curious, I grew up in Tokyo, so hospitality and the way that we um, endeavor to service clients is very different than it is in the United States. And I think it's nice to see that there's a transition, but would you say that the experiential, because I see it here, this is immersive. We say immersive in our industry, but this is immersion. You know, nature, the taste, the senses, the lighting. If you were going to, let's switch roles. Okay. I become the CEO of Dietix. Okay. I'll tell you maybe what I would do. Okay. But curious, if you were an experiential designer, yeah. what would you do in this space? Someone said, you know, you have, we're going to open our doors to you. What would you do in this space to transform the dining experience? 
differently if you were not in the hospitality dining world? Oh, that's a tough question uh, that you're asking me. Um, I think I stumped it. This is good. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, but look, we try to be as we try to be creative for sure. Especially Danielle is a creative mind of the group. You know, I'm, I'm more focusing on running the business side, the marketing side, the finance, the development, and all of that. Um, but really what we do, and we travel a lot, so we get exposed to a lot of different cultures. We, uh, for sure, every time we travel, we get new ideas and all of that. But we look at the guests and we look at what it is that they want, what it is that we can develop that they're looking forward to. For example, we're working on a project that I cannot talk to you about. Uh, yes. I'll disclose yet. Um, but we're going to try to do something very, very different as what we did before. Um, and if you look at all the brands here, you have Bar Blue, that is uh, uh, this uh, wine bar, charcuterie, mm -hmm. traditional. You have Le Gretin, it's Lyonnaise Cuisine. You have Le Pavillon, that is seafood and fish and, uh, mm -hmm. and vegetable driven. And you have Danielle, this incredible fine dining restaurants. Uh, and you have Boulou Sud, which represents the Mediterranean. So we have different concepts that have an identity and all that. And so developing new concept, when we have to develop a new concept, um, we really put our creative hats on and look at what it is that we could do. I'm going to give you an example. In this building, especially you told me you're from Tokyo, you grew up in mm -hmm. Tokyo, right? We partner with a Japanese chef. Okay. His name is George Wen, and we open a 10-seat omakase restaurant in the basement of this building connecting to Grand Central Station, like a secret sushi place, like you well, will find now in Tokyo. You don't know. Now you know. It's not, it's secret, not secret anymore. anymore <laughs> but, no. um, but my point being, 10 seat omakase Japanese. Danielle has been done, has been done for the last 30 years for um, his uh, delicious uh, French food and all of that. But he partnered, Danielle partnered with a Japanese mm -hmm. chef, mm -hmm. and then we're supporting them. Uh, George is obviously the the, the executing, uh, but we're supporting them, and uh, uh, we've surprised a lot of people. Nobody expected Danielle after 30 years to launch in collaboration uh, with George, a Japanese restaurant here in Grand Central in Montpellier. So, isn't that the key, though, is to constantly innovate? Yes, innovate, and um, and uh, and for sure. But the DNA is one thing that doesn't change is that sense of hospitality. Uh, the experience, the quality, you know, obviously if you go to Joji, I love Joji, it's incredible, delicious, uh, it's one of the best Japanese experience I ever had and I had here in New York City, but the, all the produce, the, you know, they fly all the fish from Japan, they, the, the producers are just incredible, the service is amazing, the design is it's so beautiful, so it still has the same DNA that we yes. have at Russian Daniel or here at Le Pavillon. Okay, so not to forget the thought, but everything being flown in. Let's talk about Las Vegas. Yeah. Let's talk about that Las Vegas mm -hmm. is in so many ways, it's obvious it's growing, expanding, but yep. it's also such a contradiction. I've eaten at plenty of restaurants in New York City that have the same name yep. and license to, and the minute I taste the food in Las Vegas, it does not hold water to the quality. Oh, really? I mean, 500, thousands of people. Yeah. I, I just can't imagine. How do you do that? So, look, I spend a a lot of time in Las Vegas, I was there for over 10 years. Having this one thing that Las Vegas do well is volume, right? It's when you look at all those big casino, um, like, you know, I used to work for Sands for a long time, the Venetians, Palazzo, if you look at the Bellagio, the Wynn and all of that, they execute very, very well. They have great infrastructure, they have teams, large teams in place. Everything's and, flown in. Yeah, yeah. Like so that. they, and, and 
they've been bringing a lot of talent and they have programming, training programming play that are, that are amazing. Um, and uh, so uh, I respect a lot the work that has been done in Vegas because um, you have some of the best professionals that have moved there and I live there. I mean, I remember them outside of our brands when Joel Robuchon opened at the MGM and he opened the mansion, he opened L'Atelier, Guy Savoy came, uh, Caesar Palace. I mean, that's big, big movement, some of the biggest name chefs coming to Vegas, and they were executed at a really, 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 really high level. So we have seen it done very successfully. Or if you look at uh, Julian Serrano, was one of the first one to have Picasso, John okay. George, when he opened at the Bellagio Prime, the steakhouse. So you've seen big name, but yeah, the volume in Vegas is just it's uh, a different experience. It's, 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 it's very different. It. But you look at brand also like Carbone, they open at Aria, um, and look, uh, or, or Wolfgang Park in Las Vegas has got a huge footprint. And it's you know, I remember when we had cut at the Palazzo it was one of the top performing steakhouse, yeah. mm -hmm. yeah, and they were doing a very very good job. But Vegas is a different place. Yeah. Uh, We're looking for different things. It's so. different. People go there. <laughs> I mean, no, I really. I mean, yeah. in more ways than one. What kind of things are we looking for? But I remember <laughs> when I worked there, the president at the time would always say, "People come to Vegas to have a good time. The day we stop giving them a good time, this is the day they'll stop coming, right? So that's why it's always best entertainment, best shows." Uh, now you see they have Formula One coming, uh, probably be going. Yeah, so it's incredible. They have sport team. They have, they have, they pretty much have everything. So are you moving now. back to Vegas? Is no, that I'm not. No, okay. no, no, no. But uh, no, 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 no. But I'm talking about when you see how Vegas started and what yes. it's become now. Yes. And in terms of quality, the room products. I mean, they've done a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work. Um, but now, now if you want to compare the two, because I had the chance to live in LA, live in Miami, live in New York, uh, and live in Las Vegas. Vegas, they do well. Is they do on the conventions they do it better than anybody else because they have the infrastructure they have the size they have the the keys the hotel rooms and they have all the smbs and the big banquets so they do that very well but i think new york is probably the capital in the united states for, oh, for good for good and and in new york is such a very special place i um uh, now i've been here almost for four years and I enjoy New York very much. I think at the beginning uh, I had to adjust, especially the weather. I was not used after living in the West Coast for almost 20 years to the brutal winter that you can get in New York oh, City. Oh, it's not that bad. But you get used, it's, yeah. you're right, yeah, it is not bad. But you get. True New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not that but, bad. Um, but I'm enjoying the culinary scene very much. I think that we eat so well in New York, there's so many different places from really casual to super high in fine dining to street food. You really eat well we uh, in eat New York well. City. Yeah. Well, we're about to run out of time, and you know what that it's means? It's worth a second conversation at some point <laughs> in the future. Absolutely, but um, I think we would be remiss to not showcase this oasis that I keep referring to. For those that have not visited, this is the time for you to get a sense of it, because I think photos don't really do it justice. So we're going to meet you at the bar. Definitely. So why don't we just take our audience for a little tour? Sure, I'll be delighted. We'll Please follow me. Thank you. So welcome to the pavilion. And my favorite building right here, the Chrysler building. Talking about a landmark, just right here, spectacular. So this is this is just such a spectacular view, and you know we were just talking about this. 
Um, and very specifically, these are the small details, I think, that make everything so special. This ombre, you know, texture and color, the oasis. Um, but to be, to be really candid, everyone knows that we cannot end a recording without the most important question. And the question is, Sebastian, which is your favorite champagne? Ha, what is my favorite champagne? I have so many. I think Salon is one of them. Um, uh, Krug, I love Krug. Um, I love a good Blanc de Blanc because I like the Chardonnay oh, grapes in yes. champagne. Uh, but yeah, there's nothing like a delicious uh, glass of champagne. And let me see if I can find a, a bottle for us. Maybe we can have a little toast. Oh, I love Thank it. Thank you very much. It's not a secret. Everyone knows that I'm a big champagne fan. Well, someone must do what they must do in this particular case. I think that when you look at this environment, you realize how special you are. A thousand percent. You gotta let it. see it. I mean, you're, you know what it feels like? It feels like, you know, when you're in Central Park and you look around and you see the skyline, but you realize you're in Central Park. In a way, this oasis and looking up and seeing all the buildings and the skyline of Midtown actually is the same experience. Yeah, and I think that if you see it on television, in the movies, it's one of those truth, you know, they say that the one thing that they do is kind of like, you know, you see it close. Sure. I think New York City here, especially, is never disappointed. By the way, did you hear the pop? I heard the pop. I That's do. a very happy pop. Well, sound. Yeah. I've known you a long time, and that's one of those things I met you. I absolutely. I have. Uh, I love drinking champagne in wine glasses, so I hope you will pardon me. Oh, I love it. And uh, with champagne, there's nothing. I was going to say, you. more is more. We're going to drink a glass of uh, rose, black cabernet. And by the way, it is the morning, but my golden rule is champagne is perfect for the morning, perfect for the afternoon, and perfect for the evening. In Paris, it's well, a little bit later than the day, so we're all good. Exactly. Fair enough. Enjoy. Fantastic. Well, nice thank you so much. Welcome to New York. Cheers to you. Cheers to you. And thank you to our audience. And we hope you've enjoyed and discovered something very special. So until next time.